Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Glad you've joined us today. Here's what we're going to be talking about. We'll get a look at the weather as we head into Christmas. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson will be with us. We're going to talk with uh, the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board about efforts to get the biodiesel tax incentive put in place and kept in place. One of the things uh, Congress working on hopefully here before they're done this year. And we're also going to take a look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers. That's coming up on today's program. But right now we started off with Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Last week we were focused on the farm bill. I guess now we're focused on when will the president sign that bill? Well, that's right, Mike. The good news is, is the president and Secretary Sonny Perdue, everybody's signaling that they will sign it. <laughs> so uh, we do anticipate that this week. But as you know, the focus is on a lot of different things having to do with the potential for a government shutdown. Uh, we've got seven uh, funding measures that uh, still have not been approved by Congress, and unless they can figure out whether to kick the can down the road for another two weeks into January, uh, it sounds like that they may uh, hold up for a government shutdown as of this Saturday. So a lot of eyes on those spending bills, not only for government funding, but for some of the writers that, as you know, can get a little tricky, the extra language that gets thrown into those year-end packages that could also be very important for agriculture. These things come down to... A game of chicken. Who's going to blink? And a lot of times it goes to the very last second, doesn't it? Yes, and I anticipate this well as well. I mean, there has been a lot of discussion over the weekend between congressional leaders. Of course, you heard what President Trump said during his discussions with um, Mr. Schumer, Senator Schumer from New York, and uh, our presumed uh, leader in the House next session, uh, Nancy Pelosi, in that open session that he had with them in front of the press, where he said he would wear that mantle of shutting the government down in the name of border security. So certainly he's playing a very tough hand at this point, uh, and we'll have to just watch how things unfold during the week to see if there might be a compromise in the works. In the a farm bill-related matter, we know that the president and many Republicans did not get the SNAP reforms that they pushed for in the farm bill. Will we see something happen soon that uh, will kind of give some something to the president that he can uh, tout as some kind of a win or a victory on this, despite the farm bill not having the language he may have wanted? Yes, they will. It's anticipated that this week Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue will deliver what House Agricultural Committee Chairman Mike Conaway was unable to do legislatively, and that is to write tougher restrictions on whether states can have exemptions from the SNAP waivers in a USDA rule. So we're watching for that to come out later this week. And it basically it wouldn't be as tight as perhaps even Conway would have wanted, but it will be a tightening uh, that can be done from a regulatory perspective. You know, this administration has prided itself on rolling back regulations, but this is one that they would really like to see to make it more difficult for states to waive those SNAP uh, work requirements and, and get more people on the actual, uh, whether training program or work requirements in every state. 
And as you know, Mike, there's a there's there's certainly a very high unemployment. Uh, uh, when there used to be very high unemployment, these states were seeking those waivers. But now that the unemployment numbers are way down, uh, there doesn't seem to be as much need for them to do so. And the secretary wants to make sure that they are dealing with that from a from a regulatory standpoint at the agency. We're talking with Sarah Wyant from AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, uh, big question about uh, this round two of the uh, trade mitigation payments. Will that that second payment be coming? And if so, when? What are you hearing? So uh, we heard that uh, Secretary Purdue met with the administration leaders at the White House on Friday. And the market facilitation program payments, as you know, Mike, he has long talked about the need to get those out in early December. Well, the first week of December has come and gone, as we reported in our daybreak this morning, and nothing's happened. And the holdup appears to be the folks at the Office of Management and Budget. The budget director, Mr. Mulvaney, who will now be the acting chief of staff of the White House, has suggested that maybe we shouldn't deliver some of those payments because uh, the Chinese have started to buy soybeans once again long ways off from what they were buying a couple of years ago. So I think the folks in farm country are still expecting that those payments are going to be made, and so does Secretary Purdue. But there seems to be a rift between how different people are viewing that second tranche right now, and it's not clear when they're going to be released, but it is clear that Secretary Purdue has been pushing for that to happen. Kind of a tough sell to say what sales we've had, as welcomed as they are, that that would offset what we've lost in the last several months. Oh, absolutely. The sales that we've had are very welcome, but, you know, when you're just talking about a very small portion of what they historically have purchased, and uh, these are payments that aren't going to make people really whole to begin with, uh, you know, when you've got, uh, you know, the second half of a penny on, on corn, uh, you know, it's problematic, I think, for a lot of folks to think that those payments shouldn't be forthcoming to farm country. What is the reaction you've heard on the new waters of the U.S. rule? We know ag groups have seemingly supported it. Some environmental groups have opposed it. What are you hearing? All the farm organizations that we've talked to, and certainly a lot of them were in Washington last week to uh, mark that announcement, are very, very happy with the way that it's been written. We do anticipate it will be challenged still in court, uh, and environmental groups are very unhappy. Uh, but the uh, almost all the National uh, American Farm Bureau presidents, the state presidents, were there for the announcements. A lot of other farm groups just uh, rave reviews so far, Mike. Yeah, I've made the comment, it's kind of a nice change to see agriculture working with EPA on something instead of against them. Oh, absolutely. And certainly this is a rule that was written in in uh, the thought that the agricultural uh, groups all need some sort of certainty. I mean, we've had this sort of regulatory limbo that we've been in with some states being covered by waters and some not. And we'd like to get everybody on the same playing field. And that was what was really behind the scenes in writing this new rule. And folks that we've heard from have been very happy. All right. So we're on government shutdown watch this week. Also waiting to see about the farm bill getting uh, passed. And how much pressure will there be for them to get out of Washington in time for Christmas, right? 
you know, that's always a great thing to have these kinds of deadlines right before Christmas because people don't want to spend it in Washington. (laughs) So they want to go home to their families, and there's that little extra push to, come on, let's just get this done. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if it doesn't get kicked into the first couple weeks of January, but... You know, the president has been talking tough so far. We'll see what the language looks like by the end of the week. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Well, Sarah, as always, thank you. Uh, We won't be talking with you next week. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll look forward to talking with you first part of uh, January. We'll get going again, okay? Great. Thanks so much. Merry Christmas to you and yours, too, Mike. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Wyatt, editor, publisher of AgriPulse communications all right what's the weather going to be like as we head into christmas and the end of the year we'll be joined by dtm meteorologist bryce anderson that's next coming up on aoa adams on agriculture Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. What does meal? Meals on Wheels do. They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. So. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we have back with us from all of his Christmas shopping, Bryce Anderson, DTM Meteorologist. Bryce, hope you got all those presents picked out and packaged up and wrapped up and ready to go, right? I do, Mike, and I also have uh, the uh, the part-time job lined up uh, to to <laughs> help help to help the 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 plastic impact. Let's put it that way. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of concern right now about the, all the plastic that's the you know we're accumulating. I, I always worry about how much plastic's getting used. Not to, that's not the stack that's not being used. It's the stack I am using that uh, can be very costly too. Understood. Understood. You know the, the numbers kind of start wearing out, and and uh, oh wow, uh, that uh, that that's you know just a holiday tradition. But um, there you go. You know, on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, it is wonderful to have uh, you know family to think about and and uh, you know get things for and that sort of thing. So I certainly appreciate that. And and uh, part of the reason I was gone over the last uh, week, a uh, couple weeks was in part to see family and uh, that was that was terrific everybody's doing great and uh, had a lot of fun good to hear all right well let's talk weather as we head towards uh towards christmas so here we are what just a week away from christmas eve yeah. uh, what kind of weather are we going to have this week ahead yeah it's going to be a pretty decent uh pre-christmas week across most of the uh heartland of the country uh the big influencing factor uh, the next several days is uh, high pressure that is going to uh, have a couple of different centers, uh, one over the Midwest, the Ohio Valley, northern Delta, and then another kind of hanging around uh, western Colorado, eastern Utah. And and so any uh, energy uh, trying to uh, form in the Gulf of Mexico is going to be kind of pushed off to the uh, east and to the uh, northeast, and then uh, any type of uh, frontal boundary trying to move in out of the Pacific is going to pretty much uh, get over uh, the northwest and the far north. But by the time uh, any systems out of the Pacific, uh, you know, get farther inland, they're going to kind of wash out and uh, not really cause a, a big uh, round of uh, precip uh, during this week. And, and the big uh, reason, again, for that is that the uh, inflow of uh, moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico is just going to be pretty well suppressed uh, over the next week. And so we will be left pretty much high and dry with a lot of above normal temperatures, very mild conditions. Uh, I think that we will see a chance for uh, this uh, late harvest to get wrapped up for many growers. And all along with that, uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know, move, uh, move commodities that we need to. And also, I think livestock performance is going to be uh, quite good. And uh, along with that, uh, we know that uh, after the uh, rounds of moisture that we had in November and early December, that there was a lot of mud in uh, feedlots and so forth. And maybe some of that is going to get, uh, you know, a chance to dry out or for, um, you know, for kind of uh, moving some of those, uh, you know, some of those uh, areas around 
to uh, to help in drying things out as well and improve the overall condition in that respect. So it, I think it is going to be a very favorable uh, stretch of weather that we have coming up. We are talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, the recent study that's come out talking about uh, the what really a very dire forecast for possible negative impacts on agriculture because of climate change. When you see something like that as a meteorologist, what are your thoughts on a report like that? Uh, I see no reason to uh, call it into question, Mike. Uh, the the pattern of, uh, of, of volatility that we've seen increase uh, in terms of uh, our extreme weather events over the last uh, number of years has uh, continued to uh, develop in in line with the conclusions from previous uh, intergovernmental panel on uh, climate change uh, reports. And uh, this is something that uh, agriculture is going to have to continue to adapt to, and in particular the occurrence of uh, very heavy rains that, that uh, come at the wrong time, it seems, or when they occur they, they uh, show up in, in these uh, just uh, real heavy amounts that uh, caused not only uh, some, some periodic uh, ponding out of crops, but flat-out uh, abject uh, loss, of, uh, you know, loss of topsoil and loss of nutrients. I was reading some uh, discussion uh, from the National Farmers Union over the weekend uh, where um, uh, Iowa State uh, Professor Emeritus Gene Tockley uh, was quoted as, as uh, saying that the real, the real key uh, element in uh, the, the scenario that we have going on these days is an overall increase in relative humidity because we know that a warmer atmosphere can hold more moisture and that just kind of sets the stage for the occurrence of uh, heavy rains when, when uh, the, the uh, air currents and uh, uh, produce uh, the, the buildup of clouds and precipitation. So when truly when it rains, it pours. And another feature that has been uh, started to uh, finally get accepted is that the uh, warming that we have seen in the Arctic, in the northern latitudes, uh, that has been well above, uh, you know, well above what we've seen in, in lower latitudes, is uh, quite possibly starting to make an impact in terms of uh, reducing the jet stream speed and causing weather systems to just kind of meander back and forth and take their own time developing and then moving on. And uh, when they, they uh, decide to park in one location, they, they stay in one place. And so all of those uh, have pretty well been verified. And, and again, the, uh, the report on climate change uh, impact uh, discussed that. And I think we're going to uh, see continued uh, impacts of uh, these trends and uh, the challenge is going to still be there to adapt and and be able to cope with uh, the the uh, results of uh, what we are uh, going through at this time. And that's the key because there's going to be this great debate ongoing about you know what causes these uh, weather changes and can they be can we do something to change that or not? While that debate goes on, We'll all, and especially in agriculture, producers will have to deal with and adapt to, as you said, these changes that are taking place. Well, yeah, and as far as the debate is concerned, Mike, um, I, I, really, um, I, I really have to, uh, have to say that uh, the, the uh, vast majority of the scientific community 
is is uh, in understanding that that we as a human society have had an influence in what's going on and that we have kind of uh, put uh, changes into overdrive because of the of the uh, increase in uh, carbon dioxide uh, that uh, and, and other greenhouse gases in the atmosphere that we have produced and that uh, lead to the uh, the sustained increase in temperature over a long period of time and then help to uh, also uh, set the set the stage as I mentioned for the occurrence of uh, these uh, extreme precipitation events um, I I will have to say that I feel I feel badly that uh, that that kind of that 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 part of this overall scenario is uh, still being um, being disputed as much as it is because uh, if we could get past that I think then we could talk about okay wh- how how is it best to to uh, handle what we are 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 dealing with but uh, that kind of uh, leads to a to a roadblock in terms of that part of things that's how I view this uh, particular feature because meanwhile, these extremes, uh, you know, when we look at what that report forecast as far as, you know, heavy rains to severe droughts, I mean, uh, these are pretty extreme conditions that uh, will make a, you know, a, will have a tremendous impact on agriculture moving forward. In, indeed they are. And, and that's where, that's where uh, it, it's going to be uh, something that, uh, that, Maintains a lot of uh, a lot of interest and and is uh, is going to to continue to be to be tracked very closely and and I don't know that uh, that we can out yield ourselves uh, out yield uh, what what the uh, changes are are bringing and I, I think one thing that we could see Mike is just a flat out loss of uh, area of production and that's where the that's where the uh, prospects for for uh, for the the uh, effects of uh, sustained heating in some fringe areas of the country or too, uh, too wet conditions in, in other areas at the wrong time, I think that's where, that's where we, we really uh, could see the, the biggest effect of uh, some of the sustained uh, trends that are developing is just a flat-out uh, shrinking, if you will, of cropland size. And then, of course, it doesn't matter what your yields are. If it's uh, untenable in terms of, of production, then that is a net loss. Something we'll certainly be keeping a closer watch on and I think uh, be a, a huge factor as we move forward. Well, Bryce, thank you for uh, your thoughts on that and the update on the weather. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll be talking to you in 2019. Thank you very much. Sounds good, Mike, and all the best to you and yours. Thank you very much. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Coming up next, the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? 
<laughs> what did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the outside markets, healthcare stocks are leading major U.S. indexes lower in early trade on Wall Street after a federal judge ruled that the 2010 Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. Hospital operators and insurers taking some of the biggest losses early on Monday. Numbers released by the CFTC showing that market participants expect further announcements of Chinese soybean purchases in early December. The truce and the trade dispute between Washington and Beijing sparking a massive reduction in net short positions, according to CFTC data. January soybeans slid into a lower close on Friday, marking the second consecutive day of declines. Firm, though, on this Monday, trending three to four and a fraction higher. Heading into this week, the soybean bears focusing on two key chart support areas. First, the 20-day moving average at 896 and a quarter. Gap support coming in from 896 to 897, hovering around 905 and a quarter an hour into Monday's trade session. March corn eked out modest gains on Friday in choppy activity. We're a fraction lower early on this Monday. Since December 3rd, the March contract has been stuck in a neutral short-term trading range, bordered by resistance at 387 and three quarters, support from 378 to 380. We are still within that range. Chicago wheat trending five and a fraction higher on a Monday, penny and a fraction better in Minneapolis spring wheat an hour into the day. Live cattle futures trending 65 to a dollar 12 lower, dollar 65 to two dollars lower in feeder cattle. Lean hogs 95 to a dollar 17 lower. The Dow down 178 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, Manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as we mentioned at the outset of the program, uh, we're waiting to see what happens this week with government funding. Is there going to be a shutdown at the end of the week? They come up with some kind of extension, or they're going to get something worked out? Um, we're, here we are again with this uh, government game of chicken and waiting to see who blinks on this, and looks like it could go right down to the wire. A lot, of, you know, obviously impacted here, including one of the things we're waiting to see what 
may or may not get done, hopefully will get done before they adjourn, is uh, something done on uh, tax extenders, and in particular the biodiesel uh, tax incentive. And joining us now to talk about that is Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Donnell, thank you for joining us. I mean, this is a critical decision that needs to get made before they adjourn for the biodiesel industry. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Yeah, thank you very much, and you're you're exactly right. This is a very, very critical decision. Uh, you know, we contend this is unfinished business. This tax credit is not new. It's been around for a number of years now, and so it's just Congress uh, making the choice to keep kicking the can down the road. And so we're asking them to not do that again uh, to our industry and to give us the clear signals we really need to grow. Because basically, as we've talked about before, this this has been on again, off again. They grant it retroactively. I mean, it, it's just been such a hodgepodge. You need Your industry needs some certainty on this. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of not knowing what the tax rules are for your personal you know, life. Do I get to write off uh, my mortgage interest or do I not? But they don't tell you until the end of the year of which you're trying to file for. So that's the equivalent for our industry. And, uh, again, to make long-term investment decisions to grow our industry, you know, our, our producers need a little stronger signals than hang around with us, stick with us, we'll try to carry this through, be patient with us. Uh, we, we just need a strong, strong signal. And, and we believe that the legislation's queued up to do that. There's been a lot of hard work gone into uh, this year, particularly this fall, to get to the point where we have a seven-year biodiesel blenders tax credit can move through these chambers and we just need them to take that up and get it done is it a standalone is it part of a package kind of give us a feel for you know where it's at uh, in the process here yeah it, it, it originated as part of a bigger package of tax uh, corrections and uh, chairman brady and house ways and means uh, put that in among a number of other provisions and so it has since been stripped out at least our the tax extenders have been um, which I think is generally, can, you know, can be looked at as a good signal because that uh, that larger package was having some challenges. And so um, it's now in a position where these extenders can be taken up with any other meaningful legislation and, and can be moved through the process, even though there's uh, just a few days left in this session. We're talking with Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Donnell, explain again for our listeners why this is so critical Uh to the biodiesel industry and its future growth? Well, again, it's, it makes the economics of biodiesel production all the way through to the consumer. It makes those economics a lot stronger, a lot more positive. And so, you know, we have producer members who have been producing biodiesel since January 1st who have not known whether this credit was going to be in place even for this year of 2018. Um, and so you can imagine how hard that would be if you were selling most anything uh, many of your farmers uh, who listen probably know the same thing, right? They plant and they're not sure what the price is going to be whenever, uh, you know, they harvest. And so that's the same uncertainty that our industry experiences as well. And so a long-term credit allows uh, investors as well as, pub- uh, as, well as private financing uh, to come into play where uh, expansions can be made to plants. Uh, downstream infrastructure can be put into place to facilitate distribution of biodiesel out to the consumers, hired uh, and put on on work. So those are things that those are the simple reasons why a longer term tax credit uh, and that certainty is going to be a positive thing for our industry as well as uh, Americans. 
What's your feel as you talk with uh, your people on Capitol Hill and the, those yeah. in Congress about it happening? Well, you know, uh, as I said, there's only a few days left, uh, supposedly, in this session. And uh, so it gets harder by the day, but that doesn't mean it gets impossible. And so uh, we continue to be cautiously optimistic. Uh, there's a lot of bipartisan support in the House and the Senate uh, for tax extenders and specifically the biodiesel tax credit. Um, so it's just a matter of them getting their heads together in these next few days and deciding this is something important enough to push across the finish line. Uh, there is going to be, I'm pretty confident, there's going to be some legislation move this week, um, you know, short of a government shutdown. And uh, if that happens and that, that opportunity to take care of tax, certainly there. I guess the part that makes me somewhat skeptical is their reluctance to address this in the past. Uh, I mean, if 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 history repeats itself, then that, that that doesn't bode well. I mean, hopefully they'll break the cycle that they've been on and actually take the action that needs to be taken to set this up on a on a regular basis. Yeah, well, Mike, you know they have approached this differently this year. You know, Chairman Brady mm-hmm. and the House Ways and Means have held a couple of different committee hearings to talk about all of these tax extenders, not just biodiesel. Biodiesel is one of about thirty-four tax extenders that are in this package. And they held hearings to talk about the merits of each and every one of those. And it was widely believed and widely seen that biodiesel has a lot of support, uh, again, among House Democrats, House Republicans, committee members, and, and House members themselves. And so uh, I think it was reinforced for the chairman that this is something that really needed to happen. So we do a different opportunity here than we've had before. We, we were able to com- communicate with that committee about how much more important a long-term tax credit is and kind of the downside of these on-again, off-again. And so I do think they understand what the uh, environment is for this tax credit now, and so that's another reason why uh, I'm cautiously optimistic they'll still do the right thing. If we could show a chart, we could see how the years where the tax incentive is in place, how the industry grows, and when it's off, we see the negative impact. Uh, I think the story to tell here is uh, if if we get this tax incentive in place, we'll see the growth in the biodiesel industry, and then we see the economic impact that has has as far as jobs and things like that. Absolutely, and biodiesel is extremely important to the farm economy. Where you know we've we've looked at the, the studies that show it's over sixty cents a bushel to soybeans just to have the biodiesel industry where it's at now. Just imagine what happens if we can continue to grow our industry and to continue to take more of that oil that's being produced as uh, soybean yields and soybean production increases in the out years. So there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people should be extremely interested in uh, the growth and the success of the biodiesel industry. And and that's part of our job is to making sure our our lawmakers are aware of really the impacts that are there when uh, this tax credit is in place and isn't in place. Donnell, I'd like to get your thoughts on looking beyond 2022. Uh, Again, we point out that the RFS does not end in 2022, but it's going to change after that, and there's already some proposals and discussions out there. We've heard from the the ethanol industry. They don't like the proposal for the high-octane proposal that uh, they feel would basically give the oil industry an opt-out on using ethanol uh, under that scenario moving forward. How do you feel about it from a biodiesel standpoint? What would you like to see for the RFS beyond 2022? Yeah. Well, uh, we've been a little bit different. The biodiesel industry has been treated a little differently uh, under the RFS. And so 
Uh, obviously, the octane standard has no impact on uh, on biodiesel. Doesn't change the dynamics of our industry. We've been in a scenario, the biodiesel industry, over the last eight years or so, where the RFS, uh, you know, the EPA has been the decision maker of our growth through, under the RFS. So Congress empowered the EPA from the very beginning to be able to, you know, annually look at a lot of data and statistics and to to establish out your volumes for the biodiesel industry. And so, you know, that's exactly what the legislation allows post-2022. So you're right, the RFS doesn't go away, but what it does is it puts almost 100% of the power in the EPA to make those decisions annually about, you know, conventional ethanol, biodiesel, uh, advanced biofuels. And so that's where it's going to be a little bit different for the ethanol industry, but not so much different for us. So as we look forward to the future for the biodiesel industry, kind of give us a a quick synopsis of where are you right now, and if you get this tax extenders passed here before the end of the year, what do you see as for the future for the biodiesel industry? Yeah, well, we, we always look for and expect growth because we're an industry that has that capacity to do exactly that. And so we, we want to see that continue, and, and we believe that we will. There's uh, obviously feedstocks available for biodiesel to increase its volumes, and we, uh, we want to make sure we're able to use all of those feedstocks, uh, grower jobs, and especially these jobs in rural areas that need this kind of an economic boost. Yeah, and wow. We need every bit of economic boost we can get in the ag economy right now. Well, you're exactly right. At a time like this, for us, we believe it's a very, very poor time for Congress to decide to kick the can on the biodiesel tax credit um, because it has such an impact on the farm economy, which is already, as we all know, struggling a bit. So folks should call their uh, members of Congress on this issue? Absolutely, and to not wait because today, tomorrow, are going to be the big days. Uh, this week, obviously, will be the big days for them to decide whether they're going to kick the can or whether they're going to do the right thing and the smart thing and to take this credit up, uh, this, these extenders up, and push them across the finish line. So, yeah, those calls need to be made, and they need to be made uh, today and tomorrow. Yeah, as we said, it's a it's a critical decision, one that really will impact the future growth of the of the biodiesel industry. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a good decision on that this week. Donnell, as always, thank you, and uh, hopefully the next time we'll talk, we'll be able to talk about it passing and and you having that in, that tax incentive in place. That would be great, Mike, and thank you for everything, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. So it's a lot of big decisions yet for Congress to make this week, and one of them being whether or not to put in that tax credit for biodiesel, not just on an off-again, on-again situation, but to have some certainty for it in place for the next several years. All right, coming up next, we'll go over the latest ag equipment sales numbers. What do they tell us about the ag economy? We'll talk with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. 
and give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612. Over the holiday season, you know, there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toy That's really simple. Toysfortots.org, all one word, toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. Toysfortots.org, all you need to remember, toysfortots.org, delivering hope since 1947. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Throughout the year, we have been tracking the ag equipment. Pleasantly surprised throughout the year that the numbers have been strong, especially in light of uh, the ag economy. Let's take a look at the latest numbers from the month of November. Joining us is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Agricultural Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Uh, Do we have more uh, relatively good news for the month of November? Well, we continue to, to see good news like we've been reporting for the last couple of months. The, uh, the, the tractor sales are holding steady de- despite uh, you know, the fact that uh, all, all indications of the ag economy not doing so great. So uh, you know, we're, we're, we continue to be pleasantly surprised with this replacement market. Yeah, holding steady in this economic environment, that's good news. Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, say if you... If you believe the headlines, you know the the and, and I think our farmers are certainly feeling it out in the out in the country that it's it's tough times out there. But I think we're also recognizing that uh, this is a replacement market, and at some point, uh, you know, you've got you do have to to to, to buy some new equipment. Uh, you know, if you're if you either the calendar tells you so, or your or the taxman tells you so, or other particular reasons. But uh, at some point, it is time to, to buy new equipment. So let's look a little closer at these November tractor sales numbers. Break it down for us: two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, uh, the the uh, the higher horsepower. Break it all down for us. Well, the the story for the year, I think, Mike, has been that the under forty horsepower tractors continues to be a bright spot. We're seeing about a ten percent year-over-year growth on under forty horsepower tractors, and that kind of follows up uh you know last year which was a we ended about 10 percent year over year so that's really the bright shiny spot of of tractor sales is under 40 horsepower and mike i think that's what kind of leads to this optimism is that 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 includes ag uses but also includes those folks that are not necessarily uh relying on the farm as their income so that's uh that's been a strong market when you look at some of the other uh, other tractors, uh, it becomes a little bit more flat. Specifically, the uh, the two-wheel drive tractors that are between 40 and 100, and even those that are 100, 100 plus. Uh, you know, you know, we saw a, a little bit of a dip in in November uh, for a couple of those sectors, but overall for the year, it's pretty flat. Um, it's just basically indicating we're at a at a steady, you know, year over year replacement market. There have been some bright spots that we can point to. Uh, four-wheel drive tractors, articulated four-wheel drive tractors, have seen a really pretty decent increase over the over the year. Uh, we're looking at about 16% year-over-year increase, and November was particularly strong uh, for those articulated four-wheel drive tractors. I think you know a lot of things that can come into play there. Uh, one of the things that that uh, you know, as we're diving into the numbers, I think you 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 do question. 
what does the weather what sort of effect is the weather having on that what sort of effect is the late harvest having on that you know are there folks that uh you know they saw this wet harvest and say you know what this is going to be a bear in the spring let's go ahead and 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 make an upgrade of our uh, of articulated four-wheel drive tractors so i think there's a couple of couple of stories in there on the on the articulated four-wheel drive tractors and the, kind of the same way with combines we saw a nice uh you know, increase in combines year over year, uh, about 16.5% year over year. And specifically in the month of November, we saw about a 10% uh, year over year, excuse me, month over month gain uh, uh, in, in November. But again, those are such small volumes that we have to really kind of dive into the numbers rather than just paying attention to the percentages. But I think there's, uh, you know, in, in short, Mike, I think we kind of got a mixed bag. We got some bright spots. We got some, we got some work to do. But I think, as you said correctly, uh, in spite of the economy, not necessarily the economy, not looking as positive as it should, I think we we're, we're should be pretty pleased with where these numbers are, are ending up for the year. Yeah, I think as we've done this each month throughout the year, Kurt, uh, uh, I think we have uh, been surprised in many cases with all the news that we've been hearing and dealing with that these numbers have been as good as they are. I, I, think, that is, I think that is true. Now there's some bright spots out on the on the horizon as well. I mean, let's let's face it. We're probably going to have a, a farm bill signed this week. I mean that that reduces the uncertainty that our farmers have felt. And I think uh, you know that uncertainty uh, when that is reduced just a little bit, when that when that safety net is a little bit more secure, it does make farmers feel a little bit more comfortable about you know participating in that replacement market. I think that's a bright spot. I think we've got a bright spot that uh, that China looks like they're wanting to buy some soybeans, um, you know, even in, in spite of uh, sort of the, the, the trade negotiations. Obviously, we ship a whole lot of soybeans to, uh, to China. Even though the market isn't necessarily reflected in the last couple of days, I think that provides some optimism. And then looking forward into the next year, boy, we're seeing some, some real positive indications that we're going to be able to, to, uh, to, to sell ethanol at, at uh, E15 ethanol around the, uh, for 12 months. I mean, that represents some real demand. Of, uh, of of corn, so those are things that we sort of look at and, and gives us a little bit of hope and optimism for uh, for 2019 and beyond. And so much of this is psychological, and of course, every operation, every operator different, their situation different. But uh, then you wonder, okay, if we start getting some good news, some breaks going into next year, we see some improvement. How long then before an operator feels comfortable or in a position then to make a purchase? I, I think that's uh, that's a that's a really good question. If I knew the actual answer to that, I'd be uh, I'd, I'd be I might be doing something different. But I would say that psychologically, it does feel right. And you know, as I mentioned, we've been in the replacement market for a long time, uh, for about the last you know eighteen months. That's good news because it's folks that that need to buy new equipment because it's just simply time. But what I really like to see is that if that optimism turns a little bit. I think there's some some great new technology that's on the forefront. I think there's some some uh, uh, some pretty neat pieces of equipment out there that uh, if, if farmers feel comfortable that the future is going to look bright for the next few years, hopefully they're willing to make some investments in those in those new bits of iron here and there. That, that's going to be the story we'll watch closely in 2019. You bet. You bet. 
All right, Kurt, it's been interesting to track this throughout the year, and uh, we'll stay in touch and keep watching this because I think it does. it's an indicator of, uh, you know, the – uh, the ag economy and, and producer uh, outlook and uh, their feelings on how things are going and uh, you know whether they're optimistic or not. So I think these numbers are, are a good barometer on a lot of that. So thanks for being with us. Happy holidays. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. You have a good Christmas. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, going over the latest ag equipment numbers from the month of November and looking at the, the numbers not only Uh, in month-to-month comparisons, but uh, year-to-year as well. That does it for today. Thank you for joining us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 